I'm giving Vandy too much credit. Yeah, come on, I'll, I'll <laughs> keep, it, kidding, keep it coming, I'll keep it coming. This is not normal. Like, yeah. you need to go to the hospital. And being a stubborn athlete, I called my coach. <laughs> we had rescheduled my wedding because my wedding was originally on regional weekend that year. And I was like, look, I made regionals. Like, can we reschedule the wedding? <laughs> so my mom, my mother-in-law, and my wife, <laughs> you think you should do it, I don't know. Um, I graduated so I can say whatever I want now, but like. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome. My name is Andrew East, and this is a show that we've been hosting for over a year now, and it's a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, really anybody who's experienced a significant change in life. I call these changes redirections, and I think when we take a step back, we realize that everybody goes through huge pivots in life, uh, whether they're ready for them or not. And so my goal here is to sit down and hear stories of people who have dealt with these changes well in hopes that I personally can learn and maybe you take something away as well. So today I'm really excited to be having a conversation with Will Morad. If you guys don't know, I'm a CrossFit geek. I love it. And the CrossFit Open just ended. Uh, I'm not super proud of my performance, but um, Will is a guy who has made the CrossFit games multiple times and has an awesome story. He's going to tell us about how he played Division One soccer and then tell us about how he stumbled into the sport of CrossFit. And then he's also going to tell us about why he quit CrossFit after experiencing huge success to work a corporate job and then ended up getting back into CrossFit after all that. So it's an awesome story. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. If you guys want to find out more about Will, you can find his social links down below. If you guys haven't yet, I would love it and be honored if you could like this show and subscribe to it on whatever platform you're listening to. And without further ado, let's get into this one with Will Morad. Will, thank you for joining the show. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Uh, we have a mutual friend in Noah Olson who is also on the show. And do I have it correct that he calls you Silly Willie? Is that is that your nickname? <laughs> is that what it is? He has a lot of <laughs> nicknames for everybody. That's probably one of them. Uh, I can't think of any other ones right off the bat, but yeah. I was watching a YouTube video where you guys were doing like a row swim thing and it was Silly Willie, like working out with Silly Willie. Yeah, but, yeah uh, he, he yeah. calls people all sorts of funny things. He's a good dude. Yeah. I appreciate you coming to the to the studio here live yeah, from man. the house, man, but yeah. a local Nashville guy, so that's fun. Um, but you just got back from the games. Yep, just got back. And um, crushed it. Congratulations Thank on your you. success. Like yeah, really yeah. fun to watch. It was a good year. Um, I would love to start. We'll, I want to dive into 2019 games, but lo would love to start just to hear about your upbringing. Like, do you have siblings? Your soccer player? Talk to us about that, and we'll just yeah, yeah. So upbringing here. Let me do this so I'm not looking out the window. There you go. Okay. Do you care? Does it matter? No, that, you know that works. Yeah, look that at works. The, yeah. Um, yeah. So I grew up in Brentwood. Um, mom, dad, older brother, older sister, golden retriever. You yeah. Know, suburban nice. Brentwood, man. Uh, I grew up, I was the youngest, um, playing sports my whole life. I went to Ravenwood High School, which mm -hmm. we, we just chatted about a little bit, and then I went to Belmont University where I played soccer. That's like a big time soccer school, dude. And you guys, uh, I mean, that's a big, that's D1. It's D1. I mean, it's not, it's, I wouldn't compare it to Vanderbilt for football. I'd say it's like a, it's like a mid major. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's not like going to, Virginia or like a big ACC school for soccer, like a big SEC school for football. Uh, maybe I'm giving Vandy too much credit. Yeah, come on. I'll <laughs> keep, it, keep it coming. I'll keep it coming. Um, but yeah, so I played soccer growing up. My family was very athletic. My dad played pro soccer for a period of time. My brother was a division one soccer player at Belmont also. My sister was a collegiate cheerleader, like the flyer does all the spins and Crazy. stuff. 
Um, so really athletic family. Uh, so I grew up with playing sports and, um, that kind of like rolled me right into CrossFit, like being able to just adapt to whatever task they're throwing at you. Um, just kind of grew up doing work around the house, playing sports with all my friends. I focused on soccer, but I would always like, I had football player friends, basketball player friends, baseball player friends, lacrosse, right. You do everything. Yeah. Um, so you kind of build this huge base of athleticism and just ability to adapt to whatever your friends are doing. Um, which you probably had a similar upbringing. Most guys that played like sports growing up can kind of do whatever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, it's pretty normal upbringing, you know? No, but bro, you got a full ride scholarship to Belmont to play soccer. Yeah. And we were just kind of chatting about IMG. You went down there for your first three years of high school? No, just my junior year. So I went to K through sophomore year. Yeah. In Williamson County. Yeah. And then one of my good buddies had just moved to Nashville. He turned into a good buddy, but a, a guy I was playing soccer with just moved to Nashville, was on Team USA, mm-hmm. the U18 national team for soccer. And the national team was like, hey, the level of soccer is good in Nashville, but we want you to be in an environment where you're still developing because he was going to go on to be a professional, right? And that's just kind of how his story went. But he got recruited to IMG. He was down there for maybe two months, and the coach, they needed, like, a left winger. And he was like, hey, coach, my buddy back in Nashville is, like, a left winger. You should bring him in for a tryout. So I'm, like, 16. They flew me down to Bradenton for a weekend. We just scrimmaged. I trained with the team, all that stuff. It went well. He, Tom Durkin, who's no longer with IMG, I think he started another academy, but he was the director of the soccer academy at the time. Had a meeting with my parents and myself and said, look, we'll take care of everything. He can come live here. He can be roommates with his my friend Blair Gavin, um, who now coaches in the USL. Wow. Uh, but he had a pretty successful career in the MLS. Um, roommates with him. So I just, the next week, I went from being like a regular junior in high school, living in Brentwood. Like I was like a month into my junior year to like pack up. You're living in Bradenton, Florida, Jeez. and it's kind of like being a pro athlete, except for you have you have to go to class. Yeah. Like, so for those who don't know what IMG is, it is like the elite boarding school, essentially yeah. for like any sport. Like, if you go to IMG, you're on the fast track to professional sports. Yeah, I call it I like think. Hogwarts for <laughs> yeah, athletes. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> everybody there is just so gifted and so talented, and you're just surrounded by doesn't matter what discipline of sport you're in. Everybody has the same mindset. Um, and it was a really cool experience for me. And it's, mm-hmm. and it's international too. It's not like just a bunch of American kids. Like I went to class with this kid uh, who was like the best youth tennis player in the world, like U16. Um, that was one of my favorite memories. I got to skip class because he was scrimmaging Maria Sharapova. What? And like the tennis court was right next to my – school right like yeah. we was all on the campus so I literally like walked 10 yards over I was like hey can I skip like <laughs> my buddy's playing Maria and Maria is like a god down there right yeah um and my teacher was like of course so that was so surreal so really heavy emphasis on academics yeah just yeah like, like we yeah. really we <laughs> yeah. studied from nine to five and <laughs> yeah, um yeah so IMG was really cool um and they really they do a good job at least for me in developing the focus and the intensity necessary to 
if you're aspiring to be a professional athlete and I, and it's not like everybody in the world who go or everybody who goes to IMG like makes the cut. Sure. But they do a really good job of kind of helping you understand what exactly that takes at a very young age, which it's invaluable. Like I couldn't have gotten that here. Yeah. Um, mostly cause I just didn't have the mentorship, you know, where it's, it's forced on you there. Every, like guys have already done it. So that was really cool. And I think I've kind of brought that into this career yeah. um, a little bit. Did you have aspirations to be a professional soccer player? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about it. Like when I said I left, I left after my junior year, unfortunately, mm-hmm. like looking back, obviously everything worked out. I married my high school sweetheart. I ended up you know, getting a full ride and it sounds great, but and it is great. But um, as far as like just a soccer trajectory goes, being completely objective, it probably would have been better to stay there and not come you back. You think you could have made it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had a shot even when I left. Like, I went to the USL. I went to the USL Combine, which is, like, the minor leagues yeah. for the MLS. Like, Nashville has a USL team now. Right. Um, I went to preseason with two teams. Like, I kind of did it. With biceps like those. <laughs> I was a lot no, smaller. No, I was probably 20 pounds. <laughs> yeah. 20 pounds. Uh, 20 pounds ago. But, yeah, I mean, I had a shot, but – it's just different. When I, after I left IMG, I was never for the rest of my career, even in the USL Hmm. surrounded by such talent. Wow. Like I'd have, like there was like seven guys from my high school team that went to play my IMG team that played pro. Like that's crazy. We probably would have beat the USL teams I was scrimmaging with, you know? So I left and that's kind of shit. Like obviously like, my life has gone on and I learned a lot from it, but for soccer, it probably would have been better to stay, see it out, say my senior year, maybe yeah. get like, maybe get a shot to jump right into the pros or maybe, you know, go to a bigger school like a Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the best school. My wife that. was a dancer at Vandy. No way. Yeah. What? Yeah. Did for we two over- years. We over, yeah, I just thought, I just remembered that. No yeah. way. Yeah. So they let, she was, a, she went to Belmont, but they let Belmont girls be on the dance team Whoa. for Vandy. That's crazy. I probably know her. Yeah. Um, Cassandra Morad now. Yeah. Cassandra Goebel wow. at the time. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but whatever. CrossFit ended up being pretty good to me. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is interesting. I went to high school in Indiana and there's no spring football in Indiana. And as it like down in Tennessee, you could play football in the fall and then there's like the spring practice at least. Some, some states do it year round. But I think about the advantage that you had going to IMG and being around that competitive environment like year round is so you, you have these guys that come out of high school and for football, at least they'll show up to college and the coaching's way better. The, the competition, the people you're surrounded with is way better. And they just like, they go from a, you know, two out of five decent athlete to like a second round draft pick. Jordan, Jordan Matthews was a buddy of mine that we came out with. And just like the coaching and the environments you're around can make such a difference in your development as an athlete in business, whatever it is. But it sounded like definitely that was the case at IMG. Yeah. I mean, like the, the structure at IMG was very much like I assume a big university would have it. At Belmont, we didn't have such a structured athletic program. Really? Um, maybe the basketball team is like the one thing that probably had it dialed in. Yeah. I didn't get to experience that, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't play basketball, but, and that's like kind of Belmont's thing is the basketball yeah. team. But I assume like at SEC schools for 
football, college football, you have class. It's all scheduled around the sport, mm-hmm. not vice versa. Whereas I felt like a lot of the time, there's nothing wrong with this, but at Belmont, it wasn't about developing you to become a professional soccer player. It's student athlete. Yeah. And coming from IMG, it was athlete student. And right. that's totally important. Getting your education is to- is amazing. You have to do it. Um, or <laughs> you think you should do it. I don't know. Um, I graduated, so I can say whatever I want now. But like, <laughs> yeah. it could be done a little bit better at smaller schools, I think. Mm. But we could really dive into like NCAA and oh, the geez, money yeah, and all that stuff. We, we don't, don't have, have time to do that. For that. Yeah, we yeah, don't have time for that. But uh, I didn't get to really utilize maybe the athlete driven focus as much at uh at a Belmont as I could have if I went to like an Akron or something a big team at the time where if you're pushing for a national championship the focus is to win the national championship maybe not like make sure you get to all your labs or whatever it is yeah that's I mean that's tough because like a lot of the guys there's only one team that wins a national championship you know so like it's it's taking a, a risk, a gamble, if you're the university, to be like, hey, the priority is soccer, not school. I mean, and yeah. I'm not discounting school by any means. It's But we're talking about kind of the athlete mind and how that works. Yeah. And being a very successful student and being a, in a, a really, really high-achieving athlete, it's hard to mesh that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I was, I always kind of wanted – to push the athletic side of things and like go to class and get good grades. But it was never like, I will have to get a 4.0. Like, I don't, it just wasn't my priority. And maybe that's not, it's not right or wrong. It just wasn't who I am. Um, Yeah. You're a meathead. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Come on. So I, (laughs) I'm kidding. I, uh, yeah, I just like to train and I like to be at practice and, and learning the craft and becoming a pro in sport is like getting your master's degree or doctorate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. It just takes the same level of intensity. Yeah. You play in the NFL a little bit, like yeah. the dedication, learning the playbooks, learning the nuances to different defenses and all these things. It's, it's like getting a master's degree because you're making split second decisions. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like becoming a student of the game as you know, cheesy as that sounds. So kind of coming full circle, the appreciation for, those intricacies in sport is kind of what I learned at IMG uh, where I didn't really think about sport that in depth before I went there. I was just kind of like good at soccer and I got a shot and I was gifted that opportunity to learn. So yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely something that I apply daily now and I coach people too. So I kind of try and push that onto them. Um, Just the appreciation for the little, little things and how much it can make a difference in your mm-hmm. performance. Uh, yeah, IMG did that. There's my plug for IMG. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty solid. Do we get paid for that? Yeah, right. Um, so in 2011, you started CrossFit. Yeah. One of your buddies t- told you about it, and you were playing soccer at Belmont, and I believe the drive was just to be the fittest guy. I mean, soccer is such a fitness-oriented sport. Yeah. You have to be in such good condition. And you did the open that first year too. So two thousand. Were- so I started. I first got a taste of CrossFit in like two thousand eight. Okay. Um, that's when like the movie Three Hundred came out. I just gotten my scholarship <laughs> to Belmont. Yeah. Like my a couple of my buddies got scholarships uh, for football, and we were all working out. 
like getting ready for college. Um, we're like, what is this? Like these guys are super jacked. Like they must be good. Right. So we like Googled their workout plan and CrossFit showed up. Mm -hmm. So we, obviously we were sports specific athletes, but we'd use CrossFit methodologies like Cindy and like just doing a bunch of pushups and pull-ups and air squats for time. (laughs) Um, to supplement what we were doing as like football players or soccer players or basketball players. Um, so that's kind of when it started. And then after my Belmont career kind of finished and I, you know, I left school actually my junior year after my junior or after my senior year at Belmont and went to the USL combine, took like a semester off, did the whole preseason thing that didn't pan out. So I went back to school. Wow to finish my degree because stay in school <laughs> and I, I did, I finished my degree in exercise science and I, um, as a way to earn my scholarship back, I was working in the weight room, like coaching the basketball team a little bit, the baseball team, the soccer team, just taking them through strength and conditioning. Yeah. Um, which is like awesome. And I started doing CrossFit as a sport then like exploring it because gotcha. You know, I was, I knew about the CrossFit games. I knew about like Rich Froning and Chris Spieler and these guys who were like all-stars in the sport, but I didn't really aspire to make money off of it. I was just like, I'm going to do this while I'm in school because I like to work out. And it kind of replaced the the soccer void, which was like 24 seven. Right. So, um, I started doing it there and then in 2000, this was 2013. Gotcha. So 2013, I made regionals, um, and I finished 11th, I think. I finished 11th, and this was like Central East region, which was Rich, Scott Panchik. I don't know if you're familiar with any of these names. But yeah, bro. I'm obsessed with it. Okay, cool. So like Graham Holmberg, <laughs> yeah. Marcus Hendren, Nicky Rankar, like all these guys who were household names more or less, um, even in CrossFit's infancy, which is like 2013. It was a very young sport still. Uh I was competing next to them and I was kind of like, huh, like I'm 11th. I didn't make the games that year, but I'd only been doing it competitively for like six months. Yeah. Um, I was like, maybe I have a shot. So the whole next year I dedicated, like I worked full time at CrossFit Talon, which is in Franklin as a coach trained full time. Um, and I was still living with my mom. So I was like saving all my money cause I'd just gotten engaged to my wife. Uh, so 2014 season rolled around and I ended up qualifying for the CrossFit games, which was just like, it Crazy. like, Oh man, this is so like, it, like, we did it. Like it actually could happen. And I didn't realize how much that would shape my life moving forward. Hmm. Um, I was just kind of, it's like sports. Like I made varsity. Okay. Now I get to play. Oh, I scored a couple of touchdowns. Now I got a scholarship. Like it just kind of happened naturally kind of like the rest of my sports career had it just kind of like natural progression um which is pretty cool yeah but ended up making the games and that uh set me up to have a career in the sport so, so was that did you have that perspective of like you didn't realize what it was going to be because i mean 2014 i don't know when the i guess it was maybe like 2012 when crossfit kind of got mainstream you know it was on espn one of those yeah. years was it how many professional CrossFitters were there in 2014? You know what I'm saying? So here's a a funny story. So I, I guess Rich is probably the best example. Yeah. Right. He's made a great living off the sport. So going into Sunday at the regionals, I was in position to make the games. 
and we had to like get our, our arm length measured for the ring dips in a workout that we had mm-hmm. on Sunday. And, uh, I was standing there with like rich and a couple of other guys. Cause we were all kind of in the same heat all weekend. So you get to know those guys a little bit and I was still a new guy. Right. Um, and I'm sitting there and we had rescheduled my wedding because my wedding was originally on regional weekend that year. And I was like, look, I made regionals. Like, can we reschedule the wedding? <laughs> so my mom, my mother-in-law and my wife and my sister-in-law, I think she was involved too, rescheduled the whole wedding. And it was a destination wedding. We were down at Rosemary beach. Like, Oh man, it's a big deal. And they rescheduled the whole thing. So I'm sitting there talking to rich and I'm like, man, I'm getting a bunch of crap from my family. Like, we had to reschedule my whole wedding because of this. And he goes, they will quit giving you crap once you start getting paid to do this. And then like I made the games and it was like, so Rich kind of gave me the motivation a little bit. To, wow. Like, dude, if you do well enough, then they'll leave you alone. Cause it's not yeah. just working out anymore. It's like your job. Um, so yeah, that, uh, that happened. And I forgot why, what we were talking about. Well, <laughs> we kind of, we're kind of going through your CrossFit career so you missed the games was it 2015 and 16 by one spot so 15 i missed by two spots i had a broken first rib at regionals in 2015 it's up here like like that little like divot between your like trap and your collarbone that shook your first rib right there so i cracked it doing a power clean maybe four weeks out from regionals so it's a gift for cleaning so much yeah right it was only like 225 (laughs) man like it just i caught it and it just popped and i didn't know what had happened and i went to see dr elrod who Mm -hmm. i'm sure you know um there's my elite plug and uh hipaa violation i don't don't think so um yeah and my first rib was cracked so i did the whole regional with a broken first rib and ended up missing by two spots probably could have executed a little better um but uh, then in 16, I missed by one spot, um, which ended up being like one point something seconds. I lost, like I had to win the last workout to get my spot to the games and I got second oh, and it was by like dude. a second and a half. Like oh, I was right. Like Scott beat me and like we ran to the finish line like that and that was it. Um, where if I would have beat him, I would have gone. Dang man. Yeah. So that, I mean, another disappointing, like near miss, but that's sports. So I was pretty tore up about that that year. And then I trained really, really hard leading into the 2017 season. Uh, I went down to Wadapalooza, mm-hmm. which is kind of, it's like the big event before the Open in the old structure of the sport. So the CrossFit Games Open in the past was, you know, you qualify for regionals from there and then you qualify from the games. And there was a couple off season events where like the pros would go mm-hmm. and kind of like get their competitive, um, like knock off the rust because there wasn't as many opportunities to compete in 2017. Right. So I was getting ready for Wadapalooza. It was going great. I went there, finished day one. I, I was feeling kind of sick. Uh, just not myself after day one. Um, I actually woke up like Saturday morning at like 3 a.m. after the first day of competing and woke my wife up because she's a nurse. And I was like, hey, like, I feel like my back's on fire. Like I felt like somebody was pressing like irons into my lower back. Crazy. And I'd had back injuries in the past, like just like discs and stuff, which is kind of nervy. And my wife was like, maybe it's just like your back pain. And I kind of convinced myself that that was it. And I went back to sleep. I woke up at 7 that Saturday morning and like made some coffee, took a sip and immediately went to the bathroom and like started vomiting and 
this is not normal. And my wife being a medical professional was like, this is not normal. Like yeah. you need to go to the hospital and being a stubborn athlete. I called my coach. I'm like, Hey man, this is the situation. I want to compete if I can. And he's like, dude, you need to go to the doctor. Like, this is not normal. When have you ever like taken a sip of coffee and started throwing up and feeling terrible? So I went and I was in renal failure, which kidney failure, um, which is crazy. So this was, uh, January, 2017. I spent a week in the hospital. It was acute kidney failure caused by, you know, too much Advil, which NSAIDs and Advil and things like that, like cut your kidney function. Um, so I was taking way too much of that, just trying to like cover up my back pain and all the joint pain that I had. Um, probably too much protein in my diet. I wasn't working with a nutritionist at the time and just kind of doing it by feel. Is there such thing as too much protein? In yeah, right. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my doctor definitely said there was. <laughs> now I work with a nutritionist. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so probably too much protein because it's hard on your kidneys, uh, not enough hydrating and probably training too much because um, you become kind of neurotic about training when you work out for a living, sure. which is not necessarily normal, but it's part of the job. So yeah. um, that happened. I started, you know, getting better after spending six days in the hospital. Dang. And at that time, the doctor was like, hey, let's take a biopsy of your kidney. Um let's see if there's anything going on. Cause you're 27. You're supposed to be one of the fittest dudes in the world. This shouldn't have happened. So he took a biopsy and the pathology report came back clean, but there was, he said signs that I had this autoimmune disorder called IgA nephropathy, which is a progressive kidney disease that you're born with. And what it it's, it progresses at different rates for different people, but it, you could go into and, uh, renal failure and, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, a couple of years. It just depends. And they were like, look, you need to probably step back from being a pro athlete. Cause that's inherently tough on your kidneys because of the muscle breakdown and stuff that you incur, especially in CrossFit where it's just like excessive, um, training. So I was sitting in the hospital, like kind of at the peak of my career. My wife was there. I just, my whole life kind of flashed before my eyes. And I was kind of like, man, maybe it's not super important for me to put so much into this sport if it's going to kill me, you know, my like <laughs> love of my life's right there. You know what I mean? Like it's, there's, there's more to life than this. Um, and I think that was a big change for me and I've, and I've taken that lesson into my second opportunity. So anyways, I stepped away from the sport completely. Jeez. Um, I sold my gym CrossFit rigged, uh, and like God willing, I, one of my members was a, a very successful businessman. Mike Rustasi gave me a job. He's like, even before this, he was like, when you're done competing, I want you to come work for me as a consultant. Like wow. just like talking to people and whatever. He just saw something in me. So he gave me a job, uh, and I worked in tech, uh, sales. <laughs> yeah, man, a little bit of a shift, uh, for about eight months. Um, and through that time I was seeing, uh, my nephrologist monthly getting blood work because, you know, like when you get out of the hospital after a renal, uh, crisis, I guess you'd call it. Uh, you, you're not back to a hundred percent. Like it takes time for your body to heal, hmm. you know? Cause when I was there, I was in like really bad shape. I had like 14% kidney function or something. Jeez. So when I left, I was only to like 50% kidney function, but it's like muscle soreness. You might be sore today, but you'll get better tomorrow and you'll just like 
soon mm-hmm. the soreness will kind of go away. So I was getting blood work every month and finally I was back to normal for like four months, like really perfect health. And I wasn't really training at that time. I, I, I would do O lifting a little bit and I was working, um, nine to five consulting on e-learning. Nice. We built custom e-learning courses for corporations. Plug. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> so I've forgotten everything already, so I can't help you. But, um, yeah, so it was August uh, of 2018. Um, yeah, August or early September. I went to my nephrologist. I'd been feeling great. I hadn't been doing CrossFit, just O-lifting, uh, which is snatching and clean and jerk. Um, just lifting heavy. Cause Olympic I like Olympic lifting for you newbies out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just like to do that. Right. So, um, I went back to my nephrologist and he's like, Hey man, let me take a look at your pathology report. Uh, like you're completely normal. They had put me on blood pressure medicine, all this stuff. And I had been telling him for about four months, like this blood pressure medicine is making me feel horrible. Like Luckily, I worked remotely from mm. my tech job. So, like, <laughs> 2 o'clock would come around every day, and I would just be, like, completely exhausted. Wow. It's probably because my blood pressure was, like, on the floor, you know? So, I'd, like, have to take a nap, um, which was very weird um, from, like, my back. As, like, a 28-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. So, anyways, he took, it, took a look at it, and he's like, look, dude, I don't think you have <laughs> IgA nephropathy. And I was just kind of like what and he's like yeah man like there's no signs of it hey i wanted to stop and tell you guys about a product that i'm really really excited about if you guys don't know i sweat a ton and it kind of grosses sean out and so together we've been looking for a new deodorant that can solve that problem for really both of us and so that's why i'm so excited that i came across native native is a deodorant that's formulated without aluminum parabens or talc and it's filled with ingredients found in nature such as coconut oil shea butter and tapioca starch. Uh, Native never tests on animals and there's free shipping and returns on all your orders. So trust me, making the switch to an aluminum-free deodorant doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice on product performance. Again, I work out for probably an hour and a half every day, I sweat a ton, and Native truly passes the test. I encourage you to to try it out yourself. Also, I'm not the only one who loves Native. There's over 9,000 five-star reviews, and you can check them out on the Today Show, Elle Magazine, and Pop Sugar, just to name a few. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women, plus they release new limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. They also offer an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivity. My personal favorite scent is the eucalyptus and mint. It makes me feel like I just got out of the spa. And you guys should try it out. It's, it's no risk to you. They offer free returns and exchanges within the USA. So if you guys want to try out Native and get 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use promo code EAST during checkout. Again, for 20% off your first purchase, go to nativedeodorant.com and use code EAST during checkout. There's also a link down below if you guys wanna check it out. I also wanna tell you about something else. It's what you've always dreamed of. You've started your own business, you have no boss, you are the boss, you are the CEO, oh my gosh, no one told you there would be so much admin work. Reality check, running your business is hard, but HoneyBook makes it easy. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. 
It's perfect for freelancers, entrepreneurs, or small business owners that want to consolidate services that they already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. With HoneyBook, you can automate your busy work. They have easy-to-use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices. They also have e-signatures and built-in automation to save you time and get you paid faster. Simplify your to-do list and stay in control with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering redirected listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com east. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. So go to honeybook.com E-A-S-T for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com east. You can return to sport if you want. Um, unless you like your corporate job, which that's great. Just, you know, you're healthy. Just know that you're healthy and kind of, you can make the choice for how you want your, your life to be lived from now on and just be a little bit more aware of your diet, how much you're training. If you do decide to do that, like hydrate, get blood work every six months or every year, at least just to make sure you're on track and you're good. So I called my wife on the way back cause she's always like, how the doctor visit go because mm-hmm. i stressed the crap out of her you know like i was like really really sick in the hospital yeah um and i was like look this is what dr shonda just told me Dang. and she was like well, what are you gonna do and i was like well i'm gonna call max and i'm gonna kind of tell him hey man i don't have this i was pretty comfortable in my corporate gig like i was just kind of getting the flow and you know good pay good benefits the American dream, right? Yeah. You got a 401k now and all this awesome stuff. <laughs> so I ended up leaving that job in February of 2018. Um, before that, in January 2018, Max had... I saw, So after I got that diagnosis or that misdiagnosis confirmation in August, I started training a little bit harder, but I was still working. Mm -hmm. Um, I would just like start to do CrossFit incrementally, like just seeing how I progressed and how my body tolerated it. And I kind of had to get over a little bit of PTSD because I, I would, my body would feel that pain. And there's like a part of a workout where you're like, I can either go or I can throttle back. And I had gone through so much trauma, like with the kidney failure that like when I felt that my initial reaction was like, dude, just chill something in me was like, that's just too aggressive. Hmm. Just chill out a little bit. So it took time to like get comfortable competing at the highest level again, or, or what I thought, you know, it would take to get back to the top of the sport. So I was training, training was going fine. And Noah and Travis Mayer, who are both like two buddies of mine, both games athletes, uh, were going to do Wadapalooza as a team. And they were like, Hey man, come be on a team with us. It was teams of three. And I was like, guys, I haven't been training. Like, I know like, Will from 2016 was like games athlete, one of the best guys. I'm corporate America, Will. Now. <laughs> like it's different, but they don't really get it, right? So they were like, no, you'll be fine. Um, you'll be fine. You're going to be with us. We'll be good. So we ended up getting second, um, which is okay. Like we wanted to win. But that kind of spurred the comeback. Wow. Because I was kind of like, okay, like I can still compete a little bit, even though it was a team. Um, it just felt good to be back under the lights, you know. At, at a big event. So, uh, 2018, I did the open, but I was kind of not really it, right. Like right after that event, that's when I, I kind of left my corporate job and started coaching people full time. And I got a couple endorsements back and I had a, you know, a career in CrossFit again. So left, me, uh, yeah, go ahead. Let me jut in here. Cause when I first read about your renal failure, I was like, Oh man, that's a bummer. He had, he had eye problems. 
You know, you got you got no. your, you got your iris and your re- your renal and your. <laughs> but then I realized it was the retina. The retina, um, yes. But I was reading up on this IgA nephropathy. 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 Yeah. Um, Nephrology is like the study of the kidney. I guess, gotcha. So. It's the most common disease in the world. Is that what I heard you say? Yeah, I, I believe it's the most common, commonly diagnosed kidney disease. Kidney in the disease. World. And I was reading up on it. It was like, yeah, uh, <laughs> symptoms are like heart abnormalities and sudden death. I was like, what the heck? Dude, what? That is nuts. Like that. That's the type of stuff that you're like, well, that's no joke. Well, yeah. Like, so your kidneys are, they can, contr- they contribute to everything. Um, and I didn't really know that. I thought it was like your heart and your lungs and your brain, but like your kidneys are part of that. You know, yeah. they're that important. Um, if you have low kidney function, your blood pressure goes up, you can have cardiac issues, all these things. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a serious situation and I had to make huge lifestyle changes. Like I changed my whole diet. Mm. I was on blood pressure medicine. I stopped drinking coffee completely. Um, Is that a pumpkin spice latte, by the way? Yeah, pumpkin spice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's almost October, so I figured it's never too early. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, man, just a bunch of lifestyle changes. No salt because that affects your blood pressure. Like, mm-hmm. and be, like I said, being so young and having to like change my whole lifestyle that I was getting a bunch of like confirmation that it was okay in the past and being told that it wasn't, I changed everything. Um, yeah, scary dude. <laughs> yeah. But so when you're, when you weren't doing CrossFit, your wife fully supportive, like I, I can imagine post post my athletic career, like I was in this funk, you mentioned you were taking like two o'clock naps. Like, yeah, I, I can't imagine how supportive she was through all of that, you know? Yeah. I can't even really describe how important, that was it was just something that was unchanging in such a chaotic time in my life yeah. it was something that was just steadfast and you know Cass had been we were high school sweethearts like I started dating her when I was 16 so it's we've kind of grown together and then that was like no time off like we were together the whole time hmm. so um some people are like high school sweethearts but they like break up or whatever in college like we went to the same college everything so we've just been through a lot together yeah and she knows me. So like when this happened, it was just kind of like, all right, she kind of kept me focused. She was my support person. She's anything I decided to do. Like she was like, you're taking a job in corporate America. Okay, great. Like, yeah. I support you. You're going to figure it out. Um, and then when I was like, Hey, I think I'm going to leave this like cushy job and go back into the sport world. That's not guaranteed anything. Wow. Um, she was a hundred percent on board and that's, that's rare, I think. Um, yeah. But, yeah, man, she's she's awesome. As was uh, Mowgli, the big king corso. Yeah, the big king there. corso. Yeah. He was definitely there sleeping on the couch with the whole, <laughs> all the issues. Um, so you mentioned 2018 you weren't really, like, fully in competitive mode. 2019, though, I mean, this is, like, we're, like, right here. Yeah. This is your year back. You make it to the games. Well, to walk us through what yeah. the process was like yeah. once you got so, fully back into it. Fully back into it, it was probably <laughs> right around the games in 2018 that I didn't was, make it. Yeah. I training was going really well. I broke my wrist. Come on, bro, dude. So let's really go down this rabbit hole. So I broke my <laughs> wrist uh, in August mountain biking. 
which I sold my mountain bike. <laughs> Nashville has some good trails, though. I know, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I went over the handlebars, broke my wrist. Uh, so I was really out rehabbing my wrist until December of 2018. And then I was like, oh, crap. Like, I got to start qualifying for sanctioned events if I want to make this happen. Hmm. Um, so January came around. I did the Mid-Atlantic qualifier, made it. Did the Brazil qualifier, made it. Did the Iceland qualifier, made it. Then did the French qualifier, made it. And I was like, okay, cool. At least I have. Wait, did you need to do all those if you made it on one? Yeah, well, like if I didn't win MAC or Mid-Atlantic, yeah. then I don't go to the games. Wow. Because I didn't qualify through the Open. Wow. Because yeah. top 20 make it and I finish like 70th in the world or something. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like the Open te- techn- like traditionally hasn't been or historically hasn't been like my strongest suit. Is that because people kind of screw with their videos and don't do reps all like, whoa, yeah, hey, it's true, man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you saw the whole thing with that dude who like had crappy reps and made top 20 in the world. So oh my gosh. I'm a game day guy. Like if, if it's in-person competition, I just like that better because mm-hmm. there's more stress than like working out in the comfort of your gym. Yeah. Um, it's like being a real competitor. So I didn't make it from the open, but I was like, I have to take as many opportunities as I can to get a spot to the games because that was my goal for the year was to compete at as many sanctioned events as I could and then hopefully get a spot to the games. And that was it. Which by the way, is it, it's an aggressive goal, dude, to make the games yeah. is so hard to do. It yeah. is so hard to do probably harder now than it's ever been a, because of the new structure B because there's so many more people doing it now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it definitely is a huge goal, but I don't know. I just has never felt like, out of reach i don't know well you're a freak it's just that doesn't it comes off (laughs) as like cocky but i don't know that's just not how i was never in my head like this is impossible um which i try to be super like objective about my athletic pursuits Mm -hmm. and not be a dreamer um because i have to like the people i coach i try to be really objective with them and be like look i think this is what is attainable and i don't i don't think I think having realistic expectations of yourself is important just as a human. Um, cause otherwise you're just going to be like perpetually disappointed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So interesting. Yeah. You know, so yeah. like just try to be real with yourself and maybe I had that perspective change when like I was so sick and my whole life got turned upside down. But hmm. yeah, so I made it to all those sanctioned events, which was awesome. And I went to mid Atlantic. I was leading the whole weekend I bombed out. This was my first competition back, like as an individual since I got sick. So that was like, there was a lot of nerves and just, man, you're back on the floor. Like, this is it. This is happening. Ended up getting third. I kind of bombed on Sunday. And I talked to Max and he kind of gave me some tough love. He's like, look, man, you you didn't execute well on XYZ. Mm -hmm. Like you, and I thought I had done well. And he kind of like brought me back down. And I was like, all right, like time, like I said, you have to be objective and I was like, I just want to improve in Iceland. Just whatever that means, I just want to pick out five, six things that I didn't execute well in at Mid-Atlantic, improve those, and then that should yield better results in Iceland. And that was like getting my nutrition more dialed in, making sure I was like, everything was just perfect throughout my game day routine, which Cass is a massive part of that for me. Cool. Um, she like cooks for me when we're on the road. Uh, Jamie Freed is my nutrition. Um, he sent everything over. She follows that perfectly. Like she comes back in the warm up area with me. 
uh, make sure like I'm timing my nutrition the right time. Should like mm. work on my forearms or my legs or something after an event if I'm messed up. Whoa. Like it's huge. And we dialed all that in. Iceland went great. Um, it was different than Mac where I was like winning the whole time. I had to kind of fight back at Iceland and I ended up finishing third again. Come full circle. The guy who got second was on steroids and failed. So I would have gotten my ticket to the games from Iceland and that, that didn't come out till like eight weeks after till I had won Brazil. So that was really disappointed. I missed by one spot again. And I was like, Oh crap. Two. It was like, okay, like this sucks. I was like really beat up about it. Cause being so close to the ultimate goal again. Right. Um, but I had 10 days or something until I had to compete again. So that was kind of reassuring. Mm -hmm. Uh, so then I went down to Miami right after Iceland, like straight from Iceland. I flew to Jeez. Miami to stay with Noah, trained for a little bit. He was getting ready for Rogue. I was getting ready for Brazil. That's that video you saw, the Silly Willy one. Oh, I got you. That was right yes. before Brazil. <laughs> um, he was. We were actually testing a Brazil workout. The row swim? Yeah, that was like a, the first workout in Brazil. I just, like, we he just did it with me because there was no uh, Rogue events released. So went to Brazil, ended up winning, and... Um, as far as like improving every event, I kind of did that, which was crazy. Like I got third at Mac, second in Iceland, first in Brazil. And it was like, okay, like you're kind of ticking off checklists and being very methodical about why you're doing it. And you know why you're doing it. Um, that's the biggest thing. I think people have great success, but they don't really, they're not conscious of why they're being successful. Hmm. Um, so I credit that to Max and my wife hugely just keeping me accountable and like making me be mindful of why we're doing what we're doing and why it's working. So games came around and I didn't really have any other goal, but to podium. Um, cause that's kind of how the season was going. I was excited to be back to the games because it was, I was expecting maybe that like there was going to be this huge, like emotional experience when I made it back. Cause it'd been such a long road since 2014 with all these different, like life shaping things Jeez. and it, it just didn't happen. I just, I don't know. And it's not like I expected it to happen and, or I don't know that I wanted this huge emotional, like, Oh my God, I made it back. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I just, it was very like, it was like I finished, uh, Brazil and now the games are the next thing and let's podium there. And wow. the games went well. Uh, I, I can't, help but be a little disappointed with how it finished which is just like probably maybe I don't know what the word is for that but I just it was I was in fifth place at maybe a little better and then I like had that partial tear in my hamstring and that like you can't compete at the highest level of sport with with a torn muscle in your hamstring so, so like that happened during the like the little bag race the final of the oh, sprint dude, I remember I mean, watching that which was like, like my bread oh, and butter is. Yeah. yeah man like that was probably my, like, I, if there was one event and I was like, I'm going to win that, that was it. And I was poised to do it, like, but, you know, it happens. So To your credit, though, I remember watching it and you finished with a smile on your face. And then that night, I think, was the power cleans. Yeah. And you just stood up to the bar. You literally looked around and you smiled. <laughs> that was maybe the worst moment of my athletic career. Like, really? Dude, you handled it extremely well. It was, that's Rob just, that was tough. Like... Yeah, like what was I gonna do? I knew if I tried to clean that, it'd probably fully rupture my hamstring. And it's like you're gonna your whole next season's over. And look, dude, you're 30. You if you can stay healthy 
like you can probably do this for another five years. If you have a huge setback now, like, yeah. are you going to, I've already had so many setbacks. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I can bounce back, but do you like, that's a major injury. Yeah. You like tear your hamstring off the bone. So I was like, I'm not, I'm not pulling. I couldn't even touch my toes. You know what I mean? Jeez, so, man. oh gosh, the hand. You know how it feels. Out. Yeah. So I did as best as I could. Um, I did the, the workout right after the sprint event was the five rounds of one pegboard, the oh, eighty yeah, pound yeah, dumbbell, yeah, yeah. split jerks and split snatches. You did that. That's when I really felt my hamstring was bad. Like I popped it and I tore my right hamstring a little bit worse than this one. Um, sprinting. Jeez. Playing flag football like an idiot, like the mountain bike accident. <laughs> You've said it yourself a couple times, yeah. but I feel like I know. like to. Dude, I like to, you know, I like to go play sports and stuff. So I'm learning now. Yeah, but yeah, so I really felt it there. Like I did my first split jerk with the 80. I did a little bit in warm ups and it felt okay. Like the hinging kind of hurt because mm-hmm. it was a higher hamstring tear. And then I got out there and tried to like rip my first one, and I was like, man. This is not good. So I kind of just muscled through that. I was doing like strict snatch or strict snatches. That eighty pound dumbbell, my arms were just Jeez. messed up on one leg. And then the clean, there was no way. Um, Dave actually grabbed me. Dave Castro is like director of the games. After he's like, "What happened?" I'm like, "Dude, I just you hadn't let anybody." Know. That was I was I was kind of surprised by that because you had a little combo. They showed it on TV, and it was like, surely they know. Yeah. <laughs> so he grabbed me right after the sprint and said, "How bad's your leg?" And I was like. I don't know yet. Like it doesn't feel too bad right now. And he was like, okay. <laughs> so I was like, okay. I got so I did the, they did the clean of it or the, the dumbbell event. And that's when I kind of knew it was going to be an issue. Yeah. And then I went to like hinge, like I was going to do a clean and there was no way. So I talked to Max and I'm like, look, dude, I'm not going to attempt 315. Like that's a relatively just routine weight for me. I probably would have hit like 355, maybe 365 on that event. Healthy. And I was like, man, if you do this, you're out. And that's just not worth it for me. Good call. Honestly. And there was no minimum work requirement. So I just went out there and was stood there in my walk of shame in front of the whole CrossFit community. <laughs> that stadium is pretty cool. But, like, I just didn't know what to do. So I kind of, like, clapped for the crowd. Like, No, I, I honestly – I was really impressed with how you handled that. Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine how frustrating that was, especially you were – in striking position, but, um, like I, you stood up there and you smiled, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, you looked you around you're like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of funny. Like, what are you going to do? Like yeah. I'm out here, the whole CrossFit community and the like globally, I'm assuming whoever's watching the games is watching this. Mm-hmm. Like you could sit out there and pout or you can just like, that's me though. Like good for you. Kind of got to take it in stride and I kind of battled through the rest of the weekend. I knew I wasn't going to be able to perform. I was like at 20%. You know, I got one leg. So, wow. Uh, yeah, we ended up finishing 10th. And Congrats. Yeah. That's, that is so massive. I really, I, I casually do CrossFit, and I just, like, am highly impressed by that. Oh, thank you. Um, you studied exercise science, and, you know, you had this kidney thing, which was related to the workout that you did that day or no? Yeah. So I think it was probably a progressive thing. Like I'd probably, I mean, I was taking Advil every day cause yeah. I had had this back thing. I was t- probably drinking way too much protein and overtraining. So I, if I were to probably have gotten blood work like the week before Wadapalooza, when I had the incident, it probably would have shown signs. Yeah. Um, but 
that kind of just express like that's what put me over the edge yeah um so yeah i studied exercise science at belmont and what do you say to the to the people who are anti-crossfit because they say it's too hard on your body or you know yeah i i think crossfit as a training methodology is completely fine um that's if you're just doing it you know three or four days a week in a class with a good coach who knows what they're doing for programming and knows how to adjust the workouts but i just people who kind of discount crossfit's efficacy or if it's too dangerous or whatever that is it doesn't make sense to me because there's crossfit is just fitness yeah it's just a trademark name so like crossfit runs a lot like what's what about runners they're doing crossfit (laughs) you know what i mean so i'm kind of weird when i when that question comes up because it's just fitness and sorry for asking nah like you know like i mean people are just getting tired right yeah like they they (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) that's well said yeah you know what i mean so i I think as long as people are enjoying whatever fitness realm that they're in, mm-hmm. like that's the biggest thing. And that's kind of what the idea is with CrossFit. Like everybody, this this big community yep. push. But I, and everybody pushes that about CrossFit. Oh, the community is great. But like I've seen great communities in the cycling community. I've mm-hmm. seen great communities in the boot camp community I've, or whatever you want to hit or whatever they call it. Um, so yeah, as long as like, you see good progress that you want. I'm a little biased towards CrossFit, but CrossFit as a sport is a lot different than CrossFit as just a regular training regimen. Like what I do, I don't recommend for health. But if you're going to wanting to go to the CrossFit games, it's kind of necessary. Mm. Um, Important differentiation there. Huh? Yeah, it's like flag football, and NFL football. Like you're not <laughs> you're not studying your flag football playbook and like stressing <laughs> out about it and meeting having yeah. coaches meetings or whatever. But like they're having fun with it. So yeah, that's the big thing. Just make sure you enjoy what you're doing. If fitness is something enjoyable for you, yeah. Um, say I want to make it to the CrossFit Games. What is uh, what is the training regimen require and will you be my coach? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely coach you. Um, what's it require? I don't know. I, it depends. It's different for everybody. Like we probably have different training needs. Um, not anybody's the same. So I think the biggest thing, if you're aspiring to be a CrossFit games athlete or whoever is get with a coach who knows how to evaluate you, um, make sure that their personality aligns with yours. It's one that you can respect because you could have a coach that is the most amazing mind in the world and just has a dull, dull personality. And you're probably this like outgoing extrovert. And that might not be a good blend, even Mm -hmm. if he's giving you the perfect recipe for success. So I think if you want a coach, which I think is good, even if you don't call him a coach, just like a programmer or someone you can bounce ideas off of that you vibe well, because if there's not a mutual respect, then they're, and you don't reach your goal, then there might be some animosity and or whatever it is. So Interesting. You, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There just needs to be like a really good marriage of coach, athlete, and a mutual respect. Mm. Um, so consistency is the biggest thing. I tell everybody I work with, how many different ways can you do a thruster? How many different ways can you program a muscle up or double unders, whatever it is? Like the fitness is fitness, but if the CrossFit games is the goal, but you need, and there's a lot of volume that you have to do and you have to have a certain amount of like relative skill to get to that point. But if you can be consistent every day and you can trust in whatever process it is, 
then you'll get the most out of that. And hopefully that's the CrossFit games. But I think genetics and like predisposition has a huge, huge role in actually getting to the tip of sport. Mm -hmm. Um, because you could take any guy who's what, six, three, 200 something pounds and try to turn him into an NFL athlete, but some guys will, and some guys will get really close and won't make it. And some guys are just like, dude, you don't even know how to tie your shoes. Yeah. So yeah, that definitely plays a role, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answered your question. No, that's good. I wanna, <laughs> that's really insightful. I also I like how you talk about um, even you just said it now. If you want to be a CrossFit Games athlete, and you said this in one of your interview, interviews that I uh, was listening to, you said like gym CrossFit and competitive CrossFit is are way different things. Anyway, I think you, to your credit, I think you talk about it really clearly, and um, I think that's important when like you know people are discussing yeah oh i don't like crossfit well what do you mean by that anyway yeah what's it mean um, yeah so also so recently did you hear this news about andrew luck yeah i'm curious i i talked to noah about this and i'm probably biased because i play football my whole life but like you know he kind of experienced this burnout mentally i think was a big part of it obviously he had some physical but i was talking with noah about i the reason i like crossfit is because like it has taught me so much and, and pushed me so much to do some physical things with my body that I never experienced before. I'm sure you get to a level where you're doing these movements. Like I, I learned gymnastics. I'd never done that before in my life. And I was like, this is so much fun. Yeah. Like I'm doing handstands and I've never done that before. Is there a, a point that you get to in CrossFit that you're burnout or is it so diversified that like, it kind of keeps you intrigued. You know what I'm saying? At at your level, is there that mental strain? I don't know that I've felt burnout and, and my journey through the sport has been different than Noah's. Right. So I was probably on a crash course to being burnout, Mm. how much I stressed about competition before I had the kidney thing. Um, afterwards, now it's like, man, you have a second chance. Hmm. So like addressing the burnout thing, like I felt it more in my soccer career than I did with CrossFit because I had this massive injury and now have this new appreciation for something that I truly love. And that's kind of what my journey has showed me. Um, I love the sport and unfortunately I had to step away from it and have this nasty injury to really figure out like, that's really like, this is what I love to do. And I've been blessed with the ability to express it at the highest level. Mm -hmm. Um, God willing. So yeah, like in soccer, I definitely felt burnout. Um, and I can, I guess kind of empathize with Andrew Luck's situation because having injuries year after year after year. And I mean, I can't imagine the type of stress it is to be an NFL quarterback, right? That's a highly, right highly competitive and stressful job. It's probably one of the most stressful jobs in the world. (laughs) So, um, and he just looked tired in that interview. Mm -hmm. Like, man, like he does not want to be here now. He's 29 and is he going to heal? Yeah. I I think he's going to heal. Um, I think his mind probably needs to heal first, but who could, it'd be cool to see him come back. Like he's sick. I don't like know that much about the NFL, but he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league from my understanding. Yeah, he was like um, just on the peak of his career, I think. Yeah, 29, like you're right there. Like this yeah. is it. You should be killing it. So So you had you've mentioned this change of perspective a couple times. Is there anything you feel like is there any wisdom you feel like you could uh share say with 2016 well, pre-incident well 
that would have sparked that change of perception without having to actually have the incident. You know what I'm saying? Because like, yeah, I man, that's tough. Like, I feel like I'm like baptism of fire kind of guy. Yeah, (laughs) gotta go through it. it. I gotta go through it. I'm stubborn. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, it took something like that. If I was gonna tell myself in 2016, hey man, look, you're on. You have all this ability, but you're burning the candle at both ends. Like you're not taking care of your body as much as you should. The biggest thing I would say is get on a nutri- like a nutrition plan mm-hmm. and follow it and get blood work done mm-hmm. regularly because I'm kind of an evidence-based mind. Like if these are the values that my body needs to be at to perform at peak level, like, and it doesn't match up, then I want to make the adjustments mm-hmm. because it's going to make my performance better. So maybe I just tell him to go to the doctor, (laughs) like go get a physical every year. And I mean, that's not like much wisdom. I mean, it's just kind of, you're a pro athlete. You need to take care of your vehicle. This, Mm -hmm. this provides for your family. So like take care of it. Don't just assume because you're young and you can work out all day long that that's sustainable. Um, but yeah, I think I needed that. And I think, I was maybe too young. 26 like isn't like super young, but for me maybe I'm a late bloomer. Like yeah. My ability to accept where I was in my life and what was actually going on just like and how to make the most of it, it just took me a little bit longer to really get control if you can have control of your life probably hmm. I mean, you just it, it took me that long to stabilize the ship yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean there's always gonna be rough waters if you want to like go down that rope but you're getting deep all of a sudden, yeah right? man i don't know i'm trying to use like some type <laughs> no, of analogy i'm getting out there but yeah so i don't know if i could like really yeah or i don't know if i would change it you know i, t- I learned a lot of good from it mm-hmm. maybe i would have made the games a few more times in those years that i took off but whatever you got time yeah. Um, okay. So what goals do you have now career wise on a personal level? What, what are your Yeah. Goals? Yeah. So the next five years, I think making the games every year would kind of be the massive goal. Um, I want to win the games. I think this year, barring injury, I probably would have ended up on the podium or would have pushed for a spot on the podium based on the subset of tests that came out. Um, so I want to push for the podium again, and every time I compete, whether that's at the CrossFit Games or a sanctioned event, I want to win, um, and that self-belief is something that's really started to like come out in the past year, which takes time. Some people have it. Some people don't. Even like the best in the world have self-doubt, you know, and I've, I'm starting to just really believe in my ability, so just to keep that, growing that confidence, and I... And outside of that, I train with a lot of people that aspire to be CrossFit athletes. Mm. Um, and I have friends that play pro sports. Like, I just, I feel like if I can help them, you know, understand why they're doing what they're doing and enjoy the process. If I, if I can help expedite the mindset that I've gained in the past year and they don't have to have that baptism of fire and go through all of it. If I can kind of just help mold them into this just really confident person in their sport or whatever their life pursuit is, that's something I want to do. I just want to have a positive impact on people mm-hmm. uh, because I kind of like have a platform in the fitness industry to 
shed light on more than just CrossFit. It's more of like a lifestyle and of course, like I want to be a really high achieving athlete, but I also want to be a good guy in the sport and someone who like at events, there's younger athletes who are at these sanctioned events. They might not make the games for a few years, but if I can be like, Hey man, they look a little stressed out in the warm up area. Like go talk to them. Go be like, Hey man, you're like, just enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is really cool. This is an awesome experience. Be in the moment. And you're going to go out there and try your hardest no matter what. So, like, the result's the result. Um, I see a lot of young athletes at these events. They're, like, so stressed out. And I was that guy, right? And it wasn't fun. And that's not sustainable. So, I made a point at MAC and at Iceland and at Brazil to just get to know the guys I was competing against. And kind of, like... You can almost control the vibe in the warm up area if you know what I mean. You have you have that that sway. You do definitely. And it's yeah, it's just like it, it feels better to me and I think it helps calm everybody down and like yeah. have like this is this is cool, man. Even at the tip of the spear, it's a little bit different at the games, but everybody there is pretty dialed. So yeah. but at these other events, you know, just have a positive impact on people. Do you enjoy the coaching side of things or at athlete side of things better? That's tough. Um, they're both really cool. Yeah. It's really cool, obviously, to compete at the highest level. And, you know, like being on that stage is something that you can't compare anything else to in life. But helping people reach their goals is another thing that's really, it's mm. close to it. You know, like if I'm coaching you and you end up, your goal is to make a sanctioned event and you do that. And it's like, you're part of that person's journey. Yeah. And you can see how how much joy that brings somebody that's pretty special too. And I, I made a couple professional goals last year when I was coming off the broken wrist and I was really more coach than athlete at that time mm. because I just couldn't train as much. I was like, I want to get one of my athletes to qualify for a sanctioned event. And I want to qualify for a sanctioned event as well. Cause I don't know that there's anybody in the sport that that's crazy did both. And I had five uh, qualifiers, three athletes and, between them they qualified for five what which was so cool jeez and that was like so cool to me um just to help them i didn't put in the work like they're putting in the work they're consistent in their training but they trusted me and that was a pretty big responsibility when it's like when you're competing in crossfit that's your lifestyle so you're kind of like helping them shape what their lives look like and they have families and kids and things like that mm -hmm. and you're like kind of controlling their life a little bit and when they get to that when they reach that goal that's really special so that almost felt a little better the first time it happened than like me making it to my sanctioned event maybe because I have this jaded expectation like I need to make every goal I set but that was really cool so right now I'm probably a little bit more in the athlete mm. realm personally just because I've dropped my clientele bit uh, volume a little bit so I can focus more on training yeah and not have the quality of my coaching drop. So I'm definitely like pursuing being an athlete a little bit more heavily than growing my coaching business, but I can definitely see that shift as my career starts to wind down in the next five years. Like being a coach is so rewarding and just you get to know these people on a personal level, um, which I enjoy because you, the thing people are like, CrossFitters are crazy. All they think about is working out and, 
that's kind of true and you can kind of help people balance and if you can find balance then usually your training like goes through the roof wow um and you're probably more satisfied with how your life is as a whole so yeah dude you shared some awesome wisdom here i'm curious if you could uh share three takeaways that you've learned over your journey that could apply to the audience what would those be three things so from a professional standpoint, just whatever you're doing, know why you're doing it and, and know what your goals are for your life that make you happy. And if all those things tick off, then you're probably doing what you, what you want to do. So just understanding why you're doing what you're doing and, and be passionate about it and believe in it. Um, because some people have these successful careers, but those boxes are empty. Like their personal life could be so empty. They're like what they're investing into their families or just their life outside of work is empty. Um, and life's better when that's balanced. All those buckets are kind of full or as full as they can be. Um, balance is balance, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, from across, like if people are pursuing professional athletics, I think finding a mentor that you, trust and you know something where they enrich your life like if you can have somebody who's done it before surround yourself with those people Mm -hmm. because it's hard to do it on your own um in sport especially like i'm sure there's some great more mentors in the nfl like if if you're a rookie in the league go find a vet and learn from them same thing if you're like a rookie at the games go find a vet and learn from them because Making it once is one thing, but repeating that success over and over and over is really hard to do Hmm. um, if that's the career pattern you want. So finding a good mentor, having life balance. Third one, this is tough. The third one, I guess, I don't know. (laughs) You can take take your time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, The third one, piece of advice. Have other passions, have other pursuits in life than one thing, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe, and maybe that comes with balance, I guess. Balance is probably the overarching theme here, but don't put all, like, if if we'll just stay in the sport realm, like, if, if you want to be a pro CrossFitter, don't, like, be able to step away from CrossFit. Mm-hmm. And for me, a big part of learning how to step away was going and hanging out with my friends that don't do CrossFit. Like I have a big friend group, but when I was early young in my CrossFit career, I just was so obsessed and I didn't really branch out. And like a bunch of my buddies from college were around. I just didn't see them as much. So I may, I've made a point to like be able to shut down that part of my brain. Cause it's like, it's work and it, oh, it's to work, right? I coach and I'm an athlete mm-hmm. at a high level. So it's like, that's a lot. So like spend time with my wife, she doesn't want to always talk about CrossFit. Like, take my dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. Go hang out with my buddies. If they're out at a bar, like, just go hang out. You don't have to drink. Like, I just, unfortunately, I just can't do that, right, just because of the training. But be able to shut down that part of your brain and just appreciate being a human. Like, Nashville's a cool place. If you're local to Nashville and yeah. you're trying to be a pro CrossFitter, like, get out of the gym and go see some cool stuff. Like, yeah. go see live music. Um, go hike, whatever it is. Radnor, Radnor Lake, like. That's another thing. So I guess balance is probably the overarching thing. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I try to 
pursue all the time. Uh, it's hard, especially when like you're training for the CrossFit games, you can't really be that balanced, but as long as you remind yourself to just get back to level, at least before you go to bed, you know, yeah, that's something to, to try and strive for, I guess. That's really good, man. Well, I appreciate you, uh, spending this last hour with us. Yeah. Thanks. Man. Uh, has anybody ever told you you look like Roger Federer? <laughs> I'll take it. Right. <laughs> I'll take it. I also miss the flow, man. You used to have yeah, the, I the chopped flow. It off. Come now on, I have, like the hipster cut. <laughs> yeah. Um, Roger's been, stressing me out i'm a roger fan yeah dude I'm, he's I've been, been watching like the dropping open. the first set and then winning three the slow starts but i think he'll come through yeah we'll see but anyway it was great to meet you yeah, and uh you. and we'll talk about crossfit after this but anyway <laughs>